0: This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Hello everyone and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host. I am the founder of singleinthecity.ca. How can you recognize narcissism and toxicity that negatively impacts relationships? This week, I am joined again, right? She was on the show just a few weeks ago by Dr. Nancy Lee. I love her. (laughs) Uh, She's here to discuss this. Dr. Nancy is a clinical psychologist based out of Beverly Hills. Lucky her, because we're still dealing with a little cold here. (laughs) She is a leading practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy and the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps. This week, uh, we'll be chatting about how you can recognize a narcissist. Yes, a narcissist, (laughs) the effects of emotional manipulation, and how you can move on from a toxic relationship. Well, thank you so much for joining me again, Dr. Nancy.
0: Oh, I am so happy to be here, Laura. And we have a mutual love society because I absolutely love you. You ask the best questions, and (laughs) I'm just so happy to be here.
1: Uh, And I love you too, you know that. Okay, Um, let's get started. We have so much to cover here. So narcissism is a term that feels like it gets thrown around a lot these days, okay? Um, Can you give us some more insight into what a narcissist is? Because some people may not know what that is. Um, From your side of things, let's say, what is true narcissism? And because narcissism, as I know, it is a personality disorder, right? It's called narcissistic personality disorder. What are some of the traits of a narcissist?
0: Okay, so you're absolutely correct, Laura. Narcissism is technically a personality disorder. And what that means is the Bible for psychologists and psychiatrists is the diagnostic and statistical manual. So there are a lot of personality disorders in there. Narcissism is definitely classified as a personality disorder. So for somebody to be diagnosed with narcissism, there's there's nine key traits that are listed and somebody needs to show five of those traits. So among those traits would be a lack of empathy, Mm -hmm. um, major entitlement, interpersonal exploitation. What that means is a, a true narcissist will use will, it will exploit somebody else. They'll use other people for their own, for their own needs. Um, their narcissist, another trait is a narcissist requires excessive admiration. Um, they are often envious of others but they believe that others are envious of them. So they're very jealous people, right? Mm -hmm. But they think people are jealous of them. They're arrogant. Um, They're very entitled. They also have these fantasies of like unlimited success and power, but without anything really to back it. Um, And they also believe that they should just associate with the best of everything, the best "Quote unquote people or doctors or you know visit the best restaurant, patronize the best restaurants." Now remember to be classed to be classified or diagnosed as a true narcissist. Those were not there are nine traits. Somebody needs to meet five of them. So does that help give you insight into what narcissism actually is?
1: Yes, of course. And also we can add in there they gaslight you gaslighting is a form of manipulation and emotional abuse and you know like narcissists they 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 lie they they accuse other people they spin the truth they distort your reality and then also signs of gaslighting right we can talk about that quickly is you you start feeling like you're no longer the person that you used to be you know you're you're always anxious you don't feel confident anymore um, you, you often wonder like, hey, am I being too sensitive here? Like you always feel like you're doing something wrong, right? You always right. think that everything's your fault because they make you feel like everything is your fault. And then you're okay. always apologizing. Yeah, go ahead.
0: And that's part of the exploitation. So when you think about interpersonal exploitation, they're using somebody for their own means. So narcissists often use emotional manipulation. Again, that's not a criteria they don't somebody doesn't have to be an emotional manipulator to show narcissism, but it is definitely something that you often see. Also, mm-hmm. like, just like you said at the beginning, Laura, the term is thrown around a lot. Like all of a sudden, you know, I work here in Beverly Hills, and it seems like everybody is dating a narcissist. Yes. Everybody is dating a narcissist, right? No, they are not all dating a narcissist. Um, but that said, people can have features, right, of narcissism, so maybe they lack empathy. And they require all this admiration or they're very entitled. So technically, right, those are three things. They wouldn't necessarily meet all nine criteria, but that doesn't mean that they don't display signs of narcissism. I'm being really technical here. If you are either, a, you know, and and look, narcissists, they don't discriminate by gender. They're male narcissists. They're female narcissists. So if you're out there and you're experiencing, um, like you're, you're feeling especially like your needs just don't matter, that can often be a sign that you're dating a narcissist because one of the key, key, I mean, this is in practice, this is based on my like over 30 years experience as a therapist and in life. One of the key elements of narcissism is that lack of empathy they can't put themselves in other people's shoes they lack sensitivity so in a romantic relationship that can be a disaster because you it's it's all about them its it's what the narcissist wants number one two three your needs really don't matter
1: oh I know a few people like that actually okay yes. so in in of course, like in my line of work and, uh, you know, people often say, hey, I'm dating a narcissist or I'm married to a narcissist. And they say, according, you know, according to studies, they say that only 1% of the population is actually a narcissist. And so, you know, Steve, he comes on the clubhouse stages. He's a, he's a divorce lawyer. Yes. And I asked him a couple of weeks ago, I said, what's the number one reason for divorce? And he says, narcissism. Everyone complains that their partner <laughs> is a narcissist. You know what?
0: Yeah, I've spoken with Steve, and it's really interesting because again, here Hollywood, Beverly Hills, you do see a lot of narcissism. I've read the same thing—the prevalence in the United States, one percent, so one out of a hundred people. Honestly, though, I really think in some parts of the country, you're in Canada, but um, you know, here in California, I, I think that there's actually the prevalence would be higher. And Steve, you know, in terms of being a divorce lawyer in terms of the people that he sees, it probably is, you know, in in his practice, the prevalence is probably higher as well. Um, It's, it's very like, it's really when somebody is involved with a narcissist and this kind of will, will take us to emotional manipulation later, people, like if your partner is a, is a full-on narcissist, you're going to start experiencing depression Um, You're going to start feeling really bad about yourself. um, And especially not knowing that, not understanding the dynamic. Narcissists, by the way, can be extremely charming. Uh, They Mm -hmm. know what they want, they know how to get it. So at the beginning of the relationship, they want you, right? Yeah. Um, So, but again, it's all about them. In a, the difference between a relationship with a narcissist and a relationship with just, "Quote unquote, a normal, caring, or kind individual will be as the relationship progresses. There's a mutuality. It's not just what I want. It's what we want together. It's what does, how does my partner feel about it? How would he or how would he or she feel? I'm going to make concessions with a narcissist." none of that exists. They are number one, number two, number three. And you're fortunate if you're like low at the bottom. It's all about what they want and their own needs. What is the most
1: popular cause of divorce in your practice as a therapist?
0: That's a really, oh, that's <laughs> such a good question. I, you know, it's, it's a really loaded question. Con, like, I, I really believe it's a lack of conflict resolution it's kind of like couples just get to the point and they're fighting all the time Mm -hmm. and neither is getting their needs met. And they just really fall into a pattern of just this downward spiral, whether it's communication or one person, you know, does have signs of, you know, whether it's, there's a difference between narcissism and just selfishness right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and really not looking at things from the other person's point of view but there's really a lack of conflict resolution sometimes you know kids money sex right yeah yeah Um, especially especially kids and money sex to a lesser degree but again that's just (laughs) in my experience here as a psychologist
1: um, okay, so we, we have a few seconds here before the break. So you say soft boys, like you brought that term up before. What are soft boys and do they share any similarities with narcissists?
0: I love the question. So a soft boy is a man who thinks he's ready for, the, for a relationship and he knows what to do and say to lure a woman in emotionally, but there's no substance there. So it's often among millennial men, so men in maybe their twenties to thirties, where they really want a relationship. They think that they're ready, but honestly, no, there's no substance. So after a couple months of dating, they're you know, and this is where they're telling a woman like, "You're in. I want you to have my babies." Right? Four or five months later they get a text, often a breakup text. They don't even respect the woman enough to do this face-to-face. You know, I'm not really ready for a relationship after all. It's mm-hmm. me, it's not you. Um, I, I just, or I, they won't say this to you or they become bored, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's a lack of substance. Sometimes, you know, sometimes there's narcissism there with a soft boy, but there doesn't have to be. They're very different.
1: Okay, we need to take a break. After the break, we're going to be discussing emotional manipulation and how it begins. Don't go anywhere. This is just getting interesting.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from SingleInTheCity.ca. Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. It's Sunday night. Thank you for joining me this week and every other week, guys. I really appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. I'm Laura Bellotta, and tonight I'm joined by my guest, uh, Dr. Nancy Lee. She's a a therapist out of um, Beverly Hills, California. And we are getting back to our discussion, um, wonderful discussion today. I want to talk about emotional manipulation in relationships now. So emotional manipulation and brainwashing can come in so many different forms. Dr. Nancy, what are some of the common situations that you see when it comes to emotional manipulation?
0: My favorite topic, Laura, I am so (laughs) glad you asked. So I'm first going to explain the dynamic involved. There's There's a definite psychological dynamic involved in emotional manipulation. So I want people to listen to this out there really carefully because it's key. So when a partner wants to gain control or get what they want in a relationship by using underhanded, deceptive or malicious means to change the behavior of the behavior or the perceptions of their partner, that's emotional manipulation. So I'm just going to really quickly say the components. So your partner wants to get control over you or get what they want. They're using, they're not nice, right? They're using underhanded, deceptive, or even in the case of gaslighting, malicious means to change your behavior or your perceptions. Would you like me to go into some examples?
1: Yes, please. I was actually, that was next. Uh, yes, because some people like myself are visual. So I would love to to uh, have you give us an example. Sure.
0: Okay. Here's a common one that I love to talk about because people experiences so often and they don't understand that it is emotional manipulation. So say you're early, you know, early on in a dating relationship. You're walking with a man. I'm just gonna make the, the, the man the culprit. Okay. You're walking with a man and you've parked maybe a block away from a restaurant and he's walking really you know far ahead of you. And you say, hey can you slow down a little bit? Okay. And in, he, he turns back to you and says, well, can't, you can just go faster. So <laughs> here is somebody it's very subtle. Okay. But here is somebody that is absolutely dismissive of what you said. And if you're like me, you're in four or five inch heels. I'm there. Mar- I'm married by the way, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but you know, you're, it's reasonable for him to slow down. So what you're asking is reasonable he doesn't want to change. He wants you to change your behavior. He wants mm. you to just not bug him and speed up. So it's a very subtle form of emotional manipulation. Another one, say no matter what point you are in a relationship, you're out, you're out to dinner with your guy, Laura, okay? And you are across the table for him, and he's from him, and he has his cell phone out. For you know, fifteen minutes just scrolling and doing, you know, <sighs> God knows what work. Oh. Is. Okay, and, <laughs> and and you say to him, "Hey, you know, in a really sweet, tactful tone of voice, you know, we're out together. Can you, you know, do? Can you do the texting later? Okay." A non-emotional manipulator, so a nice guy or just a, like I said, just a nice, quote, unquote, normal guy will look at, hey, babe, wow, I didn't realize I was doing that, of course, like I got carried away. An emotional manipulator would turn to you and say, you know, you're always complaining. Like, can you lay off me? You're always on me for something. Uh. You see the dynamic there? They want to keep looking at their phone. So it's, again, they're attempting to get control over you, get what they want. They're being mean, right? You're always complaining. That's a mean comment, trying to change your behavior and your perception. Like, wait, you're the one with the problem. You're always complaining. So you see, are you getting to understand the dynamic?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's also a real continuum at the other end of things. You know, say somebody is cheating, okay? And um, you know, again, I'm sorry guys. I I love men and I'm making you guys the culprits here, but I'm a woman, so what can I say? Um, so say, you know, you 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 look through your guy's tech phone and you or you you're not looking through, you just happen to notice these, you know, like very flirtatious texts. OK, and you call your partner out on it and he's like, you're crazy, like you're you're absolutely crazy. And what are you doing? Looking at my phone, did it da. Say this guy is cheating. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's instead of owning up, yeah, there's something going on. Let's talk, let's communicate, let's talk about what's going on with us that I had to like turn to my work, you know, my work assistant, whatever. But it he's calling you crazy and paranoid when in fact you're not. There's the emotional manipulation again. He wants to keep doing what he's doing. Okay. So he's trying to get what he wants. Um, It's malicious. He's gaslighting you. Here, he's trying to get you to question your own reality. So this is uh, also emotional manipulation, just extreme. And he wants you to stop bugging him. He wants you to like to question your own reality. You're the paranoid one. He's not cheating.
1: Sounds like a selfish a-hole to me, Doctor Nancy. That's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's that's where it's really abusive, Um, because. the manip- because again, like there's lying as a form of emotional manipulation, you know, the angry looks and the pouting, um, this, those angry silences, not the, not the silences where, hey, babe, you know, let's, we're both exhausted from talking about this. Let's, you know, let's just, let's take a break and come back to it. But the, the silences with an angry, mean face, the pursed lips where, where it's like, shut, excuse me, I don't know what I can say on the radio, shut but shut the F up. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want to talk about this again. So again, are you getting the, are you getting to understand the dynamic?
1: Yeah. But where does this emotional manipulation come from? Like, is this a damaged person? Like, where does it come from?
0: Why do they do it? Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent question. Um, lots of reasons. Sometimes it's a it's an automatic behavior where maybe they've seen that in their parents or in other people, and they've picked up on that automatically. And in therapy, if they're called out on it, um, or even if their partner calls them out, they're motivated to change. Okay. But again, like, just like you asked me a couple minutes ago, earlier in the show, narcissists also use emotional manipulation and Mm -hmm. they, a narcissist will, will not be motivated to change. Narcissists don't even apologize because they feel they're never wrong. So it's, you know, a lot of people use emotional manipulation. Some people just do it automatically because it's really a bad habit, a bad learned habit, but at the other end of things, um, narcissists, uh, um, people you know, with with socio, sociopathic traits. Um, I, again, the key to a sociopath is a lack of empathy. I, so, people who really lack empathy for others, they're highly selfish. They just want what they want, will often, unfortunately, resort to emotional manipulation, also called relationship brainwashing. And unfortunately, they're very, very good at it.
1: Now, is is it a form of maybe are they using it as a form of protection? Perhaps they were hurt in the past and this is how they protect their heart.
0: Um, I think you're giving them too much credit. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I'm not, it, I just wanted to ask because yeah, I, no, I, I, no, it's, it's another good question. I think that they can be, but again, you look at, there's so many people who've been hurt in the mm-hmm. past and they're self-protective, but they're not, they don't do this. They, they, they don't manipulate other people and exploit them. It's, I see like, it's very dark. So I see people doing this, especially when a couple comes in. Uh, they're shocked when I call them out on it. They're also shocked when their partner starts really understanding the dynamic and say, "Hey, you know, I I am not complaining. I'm you know I'm expressing a really reasonable need in our relationship." It's like the expression that the partner gets back. It's like, "Oh, busted," you know, because nobody has called them out on it. Remember, emotional manipulation doesn't just apply to romantic relationships. It can also be, you know, a a parental, a family relationship, a Mm -hmm. a work relationship, almost any relationship in life. So unfortunately, often emotional manipulators get very good at it. So they're actually shocked when their partners start standing up for themselves. Um, because, because often when, when somebody is the recipient, notice I didn't say victim, uh, but when somebody is receiving that emotional manipulation, they, they often don't, they just become really depressed. They lose, it's kind of quote unquote, lose themselves, their sense of who they are. They do start doubting themselves and losing confidence, but they don't understand the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Once like, and, and that's part of why I go into this so much in my book, by the way, um, don't sleep with him yet a badass guy to dating and 10 empowering steps. I talk about emotional manipulation a lot in there because it's so empowering for women to really under, understand what's going on.
1: Now, does it start like right at, the, when does it start? Does it start right from the beginning or is it something yes. that generally develops over time?
0: I think it does start right after kind of like that honeymoon phase. You know, um, again, when somebody is to use a very antiquated term, but say that say a guy is courting a woman, he's not going to start off with it, boom, like right off the bat with the woman. But you might see him, you know, you may be out at a restaurant with him and and take a really good, hard look at how he treats other people. For example, he may like be totally insensitive to your server um, who's having a busy day and be very demanding, um, or just you will see the emotional manipulation often in terms of how he treats other people. It'll it'll come out. So will okay. narcissism.
1: Okay. So let's just say that you're you've recognized that you're in a situation where you are being emotionally manipulated by your partner or someone that you started seeing what can you do to, to break this down? Like, should you approach them about it? Obviously you've got to have a conversation, but how do we do it?
0: That's it's situa- a difficult it's- part. <laughs> Good. Another excellent question, Laura. It's situation by situation. So when there's an interaction that's that where you just feel like that sucker punch, like what just happened instead of, going down and into yourself and feeling like, oh my gosh, I just want to cry. You take a step back, you think about the dynamics and what just happened. It's as though you try to go into your executive functioning brain versus your emotional brain. And then you point out to your partner what just happened. Okay. So remember the situation where you're with your partner and you call them out on, not call them out, but you you mentioned that they're staring at their cell phone for mm-hmm. like a good half of the dinner um, and your partner, the partner comes back to you and is like, you're always complaining. Mm-hmm. You, you look at them instead of, okay. So if you don't understand emotional manipulation, you may just be quiet and feel like really bad and not know exactly why, but understanding this dynamic, you can look at your partner and say, actually, I'm not always complaining Um, Please don't try to like shut me down. And this is like, I'm expressing a really, really reasonable need. So it's like situation by situation, you have to really call out the dynamic as it's happening. If somebody is, you know, a form of emotional manipulation is body language, right? So if your partner is standing there and even shouting is emotional manipulation because it's it's a form of intimidation. You could even call, you know, even just saying, you know, please speak to me in a normal tone of tone of voice. And I'd appreciate it if you sit down, don't stand over me with your hands on your hips spread out which by the way, in psychology is a very threatening behavior. People try to make themselves look larger to like make people afraid or intimidated. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is in a broad way, you really take a step back and move away from the emotion and really figure out what's going on and discuss it with your partner.
1: Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about when when do you know it's time to go? Uh, We're going to talk about rejection and also breakups. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with myself, Laura Bellotta, uh, from singleinthecity.ca. My special guest tonight, Dr. Nancy Lee, a therapist out of Beverly Hills, California. We are discussing how to handle toxic situations. Uh, we're going to get into rejection and breakups. And right now, like, when do we know? It's time to go. It's time to end the relationship. You know, we've done all we could. We've had conversations with them. We let them know how we feel. Nothing is changing. Dr. Nancy, what advice can you give us there?
0: Loaded, loaded question. (laughs) How do we know when to go? What you said yourself, Laura is key. We have tried everything. You left out therapy, by the way. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, no, I, I love
1: therapy. I love therapy. Yeah, right, I think
0: more right. people should actually speak therapists, so. though. Right, right. But, but, it's, but it's so true when somebody, as an individual and as a couple, have really given it their all. A lot of it also depends on the situation and the motivation. So, for example, is if a couple is is really motivated and in actually in psychology, there's even a term for it dedicated. So they were really both dedicated into not only continuing the relationship into the future, but being the best they the best partner that they can be for the other person, then if there's conflict along the way and you know life happens. Let's put it this way, things happen. But when both people are really motivated, giving it their all, communicating, really trying, there's a huge difference between that and one person is trying, but it's almost like they're banging their head against the wall. The other person is just not going to budge. They don't want to change their behaviors um, they don't see that anything like on their end, that mm-hmm. anything is quote unquote wrong. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're, if you're the one who's been really trying and you find yourself chronically depressed, anxious, crying a lot, um, where the relationship just keeps bringing you down rather than look, best relationships lift us up, Right. Um, and it's not always smooth sailing, but ultimately they'll, they're they're f- fulfilling. We feel safe. That's also very key. Where you're not feeling safe in your relationship, you're always feeling sad, and you you've given it your all, but your partner has not time to time to go.
1: I love all of that, and I totally agree with it. Oh my goodness, thank you. <laughs> We're helping yeah. so many people here today, Doctor Nancy. Lee. Yeah. Okay, so you've broken up, right? You've decided, okay, that's it. I'm leaving. You know, breakups are always challenging, no matter what it's going to hurt, especially when you've been manipulated and led to feel a certain way. How can we cope with the heartache? You know, how, how like, what advice can we give people to move on? And I, and I can chime in on this as well, but go ahead, you, you start.
0: Do we have three hours? No, I have a whole chapter on this. <laughs> but just bottom line is know that heartbreak the feeling of pain from loss and it's not just the loss of a relationship and remember we get used to people we get attached so it's not just missing that person even if it's even if it wasn't a great relationship which is which is an understatement sometimes we can still really miss the relationship and miss the person there's also the loss of the of the potential, what what could this? What were our hopes for and dreams for this relationship? So know that really heartbreak is part of the human condition. Um, there is it's it's been Ethan Cross is a um, is a social scientist out of Michigan um, where he showed that the 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 way we process pain in our brain is exactly the same as when we're burned by a scalding cup of coffee. Um, So in other words, we're, we're burned by loss. We're burned by rejection. He can see, he's actually done this study. I I found it so fascinating. I wrote fascinating. I wrote about this in my book too, but he, he shows that people process emotional pain Exactly in the same location as we process physical pain. So a first step is: no, you're not going crazy. This is not going to last forever. But be really good for good to yourself because you're going through a really tough time.
1: Yeah, I think acceptance is the first step as well. You know, you need to accept that the relationship um, has ended. You know, and it's time to move on. And it can be so brutal to hear this, right? But you have to stop fantasizing about the thought that you guys can get back together. And don't you find, Dr. Nancy, people often fantasize about all the good parts. And they don't think about, like, why the heck you guys broke up in the first place. I mean, you got you can't move on if you live with the mindset that your partner is going to come back, right?
0: Um, Laura, so, that's... Yes. That's so true, and you also can't move on if you keep scrolling through his Instagram posts. Not so exactly.
1: Tr- so I true. always tell people. So I don't know if you agree with this, but if you know that it's over, okay, you know it's over. Block them, mute them, so you don't have to see them. I, I was talking to a girlfriend yesterday, and I go, "What's wrong?" She's all upset. She said, so, "Oh my, my ex is like, I can't believe he's engaged." And I said, "Well, how do you know?" She says, "What?" Well, you know, his family's posting stuff on their socials. And I said, well, why are you following them? And she said, well, because I like them. Like, and I said, well, mute them for now. Like do whatever it takes to protect your energy because you don't need I to see. see that. It's going to make you feel a certain way. So you've got to detach from all that.
0: I so agree. I cannot agree more. Absolutely. It's like you're rubbing salt, you're pouring salt. Social media, when you're stalking your ex is not even stalking, just even looking at stuff. It's like pouring salt into a wound. Why do that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. You know what? I have so much more to say on this. So let's continue this conversation on healing after a breakup and so much more. Stay with us.
0: The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. We
1: are back. It's Sunday night, guys. And guess what? You are listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AN 640. I'm Laura Bellata with Dr. Nancy Lee tonight. We're talking about toxic relationships and toxic situations in general. We're talking about emotional manipulation. Uh, We have been, we've been talking about breakups. And I just want to continue on the path of breakups. But I think it's also important to forgive. I think it's important, you know, whether you've been cheated on or whatever the case may be, I think it's important to be the bigger person and try to forgive at some point. Because, and, and if you're the one who is also at fault, for why the relationship ended, you know, forgive yourself too. Why is forgiveness so important, Dr. Nancy?
0: Okay, so psychologically, when we are forgiving ourselves, it's as though we are releasing our own pain. So we are releasing ourselves from the self blame and the self judgment and all of those negative feelings that come with a lack of forgiveness. When we're forgiving our partner, we're also releasing ourselves from pain. Because if we stay in anger and resentment mode, ultimately, we're not hurting our partner, we're hurting ourselves.
1: Yeah, I love it. And also, don't avoid the pain. You know, the worst thing that you can do after a breakup is to avoid the pain. Suppressing our feelings is a defense mechanism, um, but it's unhealthy. You know, you need to face your pain. You need to cry. You need to vent. You need, don't hide your feelings. And and I feel like women are better at this than men. You know, I read something recently as well. Like I'm always learning too, Dr. Nancy. I learn I a lot from you. I learn a lot from my peers on, on Clubhouse and I keep learning and I love it. I love what I do. Uh, but I always, I feel that women, we get over breakups easier because we cry it out at the beginning. We talk to our friends, we deal with it. And then as time goes on, it gets easier for us where guys, they're like, oh, no, they block it out. and am like, I can do this. I can do this. And over time, they start missing and they start reminiscing about maybe what they did wrong in the relationship. And then that's why I, I see so many guys come back, you know, and then the girl's like, no, I'm done, dude. I'm over it. Right. Because um, they've, they've dealt with it where the guy hasn't. Do you want to talk about that?
0: You know, with grief, with grieving, Think about a death, right? And you brought up a really good point because there's research that does show that women grieve deaths in much more of like a a faster way um, and a more uh, therapeutic, healthier way than men. So yes, like crying is cathartic. Talking to friends is cathartic. Venting is cathartic. And you're absolutely right on Laura, men don't tend to do this as much as women. Um, they often like don't open up to another man or you know, they're stoic, right? The, the quote unquote, men don't cry things. By the way, there's something in tears, in, in the tears themselves that is actually neurochemically soothing, which I, when I discovered that, I found that fascinating. Yeah, but so, it's not,
1: they're not, tears are not good for styes, trust me. Okay,
0: that, that's
1: <laughs> I've our, been yes. getting styes from crying because, yeah, I've been getting styes from crying because my when my dog passed and stuff, I was a mess. Like, and I, I just keep getting styes. Like, I, I, I've dealt with it now, so I'm not crying so much. I'm hoping that they stay away. Um, and also, they're not good for wrinkles and puffy eyes.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm married to a to an eye surgeon, so I know all oh. about all about styes, but that's another conversation. Right. But tears are good for our grief. So grieving the loss of a relationship is analogous to grieving a death.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. And also, you know, get out, socialize after a breakup. Get back to self-love, fill your own cup, do what it is, whatever it is that makes you happy and then work on goals. I find that's what helps me work on goals. Gives me something to look forward to every day rather than just sitting on the couch crying all the time, right? Eat your ice cream, cry it out, talk to your family and friends, forgive yourself, do all these things, but then don't sit in that too long. Somebody else is better suited for you out there.
0: Am I right, Dr. Nancy, or am I right? Not just somebody, a <laughs> lot of people. This sounds so unromantic, but there are there is way more than one person for all of us. There's probably infinite numbers of people we would be compatible with. Um, and and by the way, there's so many quote unquote heartbreak busters that really help. Even laughter is so healing. Um, strenuous workouts that release endorphins; mm-hmm. they elevate our mood. That is so helpful. Journaling. I mean, there, there there's so many things that really help.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's just say you're getting back out there and maybe you're going to get rejected. Okay. Whether it's after the first date or you've been getting to know them for a while. I mean, getting rejected, it seems like nowadays is just common. So we have to be ready for it. Um, so how do we cope with the frustrations that comes with rejection? Like what, what tips can we give them in these last uh, minute or these last couple of minutes on, of the show?
0: Bring a sense of humor to it. If you start taking dating, I get dating is serious, but at the beginning, try to change from looking at it like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this guy rejected me or didn't call me to more like find something humorous in it And you're going to be shocked at how your home mood changes and your outlook.
1: Yes. And don't blame yourself. It's natural to get rejected. And sometimes they're not rejecting you. There's something within themselves. So we have to look at that as well. Dr. Nancy, another wonderful show. Please enlighten us and tell everybody where they can get a hold of you, especially if they want to hire you for your services or read your fabulous book.
0: Okay, I'll start with the book. Again, the title is Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps. Um, it's, on, it's, it's on Amazon, probably easiest place to get it. And if you want to reach me, continue the conversation, uh, my website is com. So the abbreviation for Doctor drnancylee.com. Thank you yeah. so much for having me, Laura. I want to continue I, this
1: convo. Yeah, I love you. We're going to have you on as a regular. So you guys will hear, you, hear a lot more from Dr. Nancy because she's absolutely amazing. You guys want to get a hold of me, official Laura Bellotta on Instagram. I'm on TikTok now, official Laura Bellotta. I'm like loving it. Um, and also... Uh, visit my website, singleinthecity.ca. Guys, I am hosting in-person events again in Toronto and the Toronto area. I'm so excited. So please check out my website and come and meet me. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. Love you all. Ciao for now.